Welcome to Squad, the leadership and high performance podcast that aims to help you change your game through inspirational stories and insights from some of the most fascinating people around. From business leaders to Olympic gold medalists, we're here to prove that by reimagining your mindset, anything is possible. This is Squad. Let's change the game. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by a man with leadership running through his veins. A decade spent at internationally renowned recruitment consultancy, Hayes, promoted some critical thinking around what great leadership looks like and how it can be implemented in a profession often so relentless in pursuit of financial reward. So how do recruitment management teams consolidate learnings whilst allowing stakeholders to gain a greater return on investment? And in an evolving industry, how do leaders structure processes whilst embedding a culture of winning behaviour? Perhaps leadership in a high-performing environment is beginning to look a little bit different. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ashley Rice. Hi there, Ashley. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good, Simon. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. Although, feeling slightly as though I've missed part of my day, because you were just telling me that you've already gone for a swim at 7.30 in the morning. Yes. Yeah, I did. I went for a swim. It's not every morning. I'm doing it once a week. Um as part of kind of lockdown, I think everybody's doing a lot more exercise, right? And um, I was never a great swimmer, but yeah, I love going down. It's an open air pool, get down there for half seven, do 20, 25 lengths. And it's just a really, really nice way to, to, to start the day. I'm no, I'm no Olympic, Olympic swimmer, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really good. really enjoy it. Without, without sort of making this sound like a bit of a rhetorical question, how does it, like, seriously, how does it make you feel once you come out of, of doing, how long that takes to do 20, 25 lengths? Is it a real, it's a real boost, is it? Yeah, it's great. I think it's great thinking time. And you, you sort of posed some questions. You sent me an email at half seven this morning with, uh, or seven got this morning with some questions on ahead <laughs> of this, um, ahead of this podcast to sort of think about. So it gives you, gives you plenty of thinking time while you're, while you're swimming up and swimming up and down. And yeah, afterwards, you just feel, just feel really refreshed. It's great. It's like, you know, if you cycle into work or, you know, you run into work in the morning, it just, you know, just gets those endorphins going. And yeah, yeah, it's better than just getting up and coming downstairs and opening up your laptop, I think. Yeah, great. Well, look, actually, you and I have known each other for a little while now. Um, yeah, from from within the recruitment industry. And I've got, you know, there's, there's some questions we'd like to go through uh, with you, obviously. But before we do that, could you perhaps give us a sort of a, a summary of your background and, and how you've arrived at where you've arrived today? Yeah, so I got into recruitment uh, in about 2001. I was quite old, ancient, in fact, 20, 27. I spent <laughs> years in retail and bummed around traveling for a few years. Um, but got into, got into recruitment in 2001. Um, loved it, got my first management role quite quickly after about a year at Hayes. Um, and then within four or five years, I'd got, like you do in these big businesses, I'd had, I got sort of five, six offices and about 70, 70 people um, uh, I was working with. But really, um, really enjoyed the time. I spent 10 years at Hayes, had a great time, predominantly in leadership positions there. And then I moved to um, a small niche uh, risk and governance recruiter in the city called, um, called JCW. Um, owned by a guy called Jamie Woods, brilliant guy, classic entrepreneur, had two years, two years working at another business and decided he could do it better himself, which, um, which I believe he has done actually over the last, the last 10, 12 years. But he, um, he wanted somebody with a bit more experience of managing managers and developing leaders um, to come in and, and help him grow the business. So that's what I did. And I spent, I spent five years there. But, you know, I think over, over that time, it was really, it started to become really clear to me that the bit that I was really enjoying was really passionate about and I felt I was really good at was the developing people side I got a lot I got a lot from it 
Um, I developed nearly the entire leadership team at JCW internally. We made very few external hires. And I used to work with a lot of the, the rookies as well, training and developing those. So next natural progression for me was to do a coaching qualification. And that's what I, that's what I did. I became an ICF accredited coach back in 2017. And then, um, yeah, Jamie and I, Jamie and I went our separate ways in 2018, 2019. And I went to set up what I do now, which is, it's just, it's just me, you know, I'm not, I've got no grand designs of, of scaling, but you know, I, I, I now work with leadership teams in recruitment and tech businesses to help them deliver on the, on the growth plans that they have for their, um, for their businesses. So part of it is training. Um, you know, I do, I do leadership training programs. Part of it is, is mentoring, leveraging the experience I've got in the, in the industry. And, and part of it is coaching, which is, you know, more about unlocking people's um, behavioral potential to be the, the best they can and enjoy, enjoy their jobs. So, um, so yeah, that's what I do. I've been doing it for three years. I reckon I've worked with, I was adding it up the other day, but a couple of hundred managers, um, CEOs, and people transitioning into that, that first leadership role um over the last the last three years and that's been great and i've really enjoyed it and it's been great to see some of those businesses grow but also it's given me you know a, a quite a unique insight into into a lot of leaders and what what makes a good leader and what doesn't make a doesn't make a good leader which has been fascinating yeah and it's a really brilliant way to uh, sort of you know lead into our our first question really because you would have worked with out of those hundreds some really fantastic people yeah. Um, and you'd have seen what really good, high-performing recruitment managers and leaders look like. And high-performance to me is is quite subjective. Um, what does it mean to you? What does high-performance mean to you, Ash? Well, when I look at high-performance leaders, there's, there's some sort of common things which are probably, you know, fairly well-known, like a leader uh, having clear expectations, right? being consistent, being hardworking, being an expert at what they do. It's actually really important that they've been there and they've, they've, they've done the job, right? Both in sport and in, um, and in, and in industry. Um, having a clear understanding of people's goals and what motivates them at an individual level, a real focus on their own development as well as other people's um, development and shared accountability. I think, you know, those are all kind of like constituent parts that make a, make a really high performing leader, right? You've got to have all those things, but for me, over the last year, 18 months, what I've really seen that set the good leaders apart is their ability to connect with their people and connect at more of an emotional level than a, a transactional level, right? And I think, for me, that's really set some of the leaders apart. Um, so those that have been able to connect over the last year, 18 months, and keep their staff engaged and motivated and in the cause, what you've seen is those businesses bounce back really really strongly you know and i'm not talking about back to pre-covid levels i'm talking about businesses that are just running away with it at the moment you know they're having record month on record month they're growing they're attracting the right kind of people and that comes down to that leader i think being able to being able to connect and i think the challenge now is you know you've given people trust right they can work remotely you've given people much more autonomy and um, you know you respect their their, you know, their work life, um, you know, is going to impact their their social their social life. So, you know, these things like respect, trust, autonomy have come through really strongly, and those leaders that are showing that need to make sure that they keep they keep showing that when people are back in the office and they don't necessarily revert back to the the older way of of, of managing people. Um, 
yeah, so that that real ability to connect for me is really really important. I think the underpinning word there then is empathy, isn't it? And I and I think that um, when you look at the makeup of uh, you know of somebody whose job it is to consistently bill, for example, you don't necessarily look at them as an inherent trait being being empathy. Would you say that being empathetic is is a core skill of a leader? I'm not, because there's this thing, isn't there, about empathy and compassion, about actually which is which is the, which is the more important skill as a leader to have. And empathy, you know, is that ability to understand how people feel. So to be that sponge and actually really how valuable is that compared to actually being a compassionate and compassionate leader. Um, like I say, understanding what what motivates people, what their whys are, what their goals are. Um, you know, having an understanding about about their, their mental health. Um, and understanding about their own environment that everybody's environment is not the same when they've been they've been working from home for me it's 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 more of a connection than, a, than an empathy okay um, I think empathy is empathy is important but on its own unless you then do something with that it's not necessarily going to you just you'd be very kind of up and down wouldn't you because you'd be with one person one minute who was kind of up here and the next person down there and you'd be soaking all that soaking all that up um, so yeah, but I know, I kind of, I know what you're, I know what you're sort of, sort of saying, yeah, yeah. So what does the connection look like then? So I understand where you're, where you're coming from now with that. And so you're, you're, you're getting different facets of different people in, in, within the organisation, bringing them and pulling them all into the same. And then so presumably all going for that same goal. And you alluded earlier uh, as to where, you know, businesses now haven't just survived that you've seen, not just, just survived 2020, but they're actually thriving. Yeah. Um, almost not not in spite of it but because of it and um, to a certain extent where arguably perhaps had they not had to find that connection maybe that wouldn't be the case well and you know it's the businesses that um over over that period of the last 18 months they probably didn't furlough as many people they they kept people they kept people engaged they kept people in the market and they they hired people they had the foresight to hire people as well um, over the last year eighteen months and the understanding that well you know this isn't this isn't going to last for this isn't going to last forever but I think you know that connection piece is actually how do leaders connect with the people that that, that work work for them yeah and actually you know do do the people buy into People, you as a leader, do they think you're authentic? Do you lead with, you know, emotions? Lots of leaders say they don't do emotions. Well, actually, you've got to as a leader because you you've got emotions, right? And people have emotions, so you have to you have to deal with them and you have to work with them. And they've been emotions have been all over the place the last eighteen months, haven't they? Let's be honest, for all of us. I, I, absolutely, and that comes back to that word subjectivity, doesn't it? As to how that's impacted you and how emotionally you you cope with it. So, so how has um, how's experience of twenty twenty left you feeling? I feel okay. I feel okay. I like. I like to look on the positive side of things, right? I think, let's be honest, it's been a it's been a shit show, right, for for everybody. But you know, it's the, you can't you can't control can't control what's happened, but you can control how you react to it. And I think there's going to be loads of positives that that, that come out of it in terms of um, in terms of how people's relationship with with work um, changes or has changed, how people's relationship with their with their um, uh, line managers or, or leaders has changed. I think there's some really, really positive stuff to come out of it. I think the danger is not all businesses will take that. 
and they they won't admit that there's there's been a there's been a change and a, a positive change. And I think it's going to be a lot about finding the balance. But no, I think I think there's there's some tough times ahead, right? But uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty positive about I'm pretty positive about stuff. Why not? Why not be positive, eh? hundred uh, percent. And I and I think that that's. You know, it's not just a trait inherent in really great leadership, I suppose. That's just a trait of somebody who, you know, wants to ensure that they're continually progressing. And it is hard, isn't it, sometimes, you know? And, you know, it doesn't take... It's taken a seismic change in our life to reflect in the way that I think many of us have. Um, and it's and it's quite strange, isn't it? Because before this podcast now, almost one of the last times we spoke... Um, was pre-pandemic where we were talking about even then the changing world of work yeah right and yeah, so exactly. now now you fast forward what 18 months 15 months whatever it is at the time we're we're here today how do you think that changing world of work looks now and what is it that leaders have, have got to you know look at particularly do you think i think i think change creates opportunity right i've always been a believer in that and you know this is what i said to guys when brexit when brexit happened you know I don't know if you remember that Friday morning at five o'clock, you wake up, you see your phone, Brexit's happened, you think the whole world's going to end. And at at times like that, people want strong leaders, right? They want strong leaders that are going to tell them, look, actually, although I don't know what's going to happen, it's going to be, it's going to be okay, right? And here's, and here's what we're going to, here's what we're going to do. All right. They want, they want that kind of, that, that strength of, that strength of character. And I think it's been the same with the, with the pandemic, right? They wanted, they wanted strong leadership. Let's be honest. Like, you know, last March when it happened, nobody knew what was going on. Nobody, and it's unprecedented in modern times, right? So what you need then is you need a strong leader, right? That actually people believe that it is going to be okay. And they are going to make, they are going to make decisions, not always the right ones, but actually they're going to make, they're going to make decisions and they're going to make strong decisions. So, you know, I think that's, I think that's what people have been, people have been looking for in their, in their leaders. Um, And as far as what happens next, again, nobody, Nobody really knows, but the world has changed and you can't, you can't get away from that as a, as a leader. And I think the world of work was way behind what was happening with, with people anyway, you know, in that, you're talking about the millennials stuff that we did and it's now Generation Z. I mean, Generation Z is a, or Zoomers are 25, right? So a lot of recruitment businesses are going to have Zoomers out there and this stuff's really important to them. Um, and that, not just that flexibility, but actually the kind of purpose of the work and actually the quality of the of the leadership it's not about command and control it's how do i connect with the person that i'm working with do i like them yeah why should i work for somebody i don't like <laughs> other businesses there's plenty of other businesses out there right you don't have to be mates but actually i'm not going to work for somebody i don't like yeah why should i why should i make them money no I, I, and, and, it, and by complete coincidence in my head as you were saying that i was thinking back to the fact that when we last did something it was about millennials and then of course almost like the next day everyone's talking about gen z gen z wherever yeah. you, you know however you want to pronounce it and and i do a lot of work around that and whilst this um this session today isn't about gen z um actually it could not be more important because there is there is arguably potentially a huge disconnect between those workers coming to our in, into our work now workplace now and, and those leaders. Alternatively, there's that massive opportunity to make sure there's a massive connection, um, yeah. because the way that somebody comes into recruitment, particularly now, is miles away, expectationally, from when they came into it, when you were in it, when I was in it, um, and the questions they might be asking, and the way that they're looking at those leaders and the businesses that they're potentially going to be working for. 
Well, yeah, and they, you know, they're the first truly digital native um, generation, whereas the previous one were digital digital pioneers. So there's a lot around that kind of that social media thing, and they're driven by driven by relationships. Um, Zoomers, not just, and those relationships are very fluid between virtual and and real relationships. And that's why, again, I think I think they're looking for the leaders that they can. Um, um, what's the word? Certainly, leaders that they can they can identify that they can identify with and have got a human side and actually are prepared to be vulnerable and are prepared to show to show emotion um, and not just be that kind of more command and control tactical tactical sort of management. So you know, I think I think yeah, you got to look at the kind of people you manage. And I think I think trust, autonomy, respect. Those are three things that, that, that millennials have been looking for for years. And I think that's what the pandemics allowed that to happen, whether you want it or not. You've had to trust your guys, right? You've had to give them autonomy and you've had to respect. Um, that creates that respect, right? So I think all it's done is accelerated what should have happened anyway. What might have taken 25 years has happened in, in a matter of months, right? Um, but that's not to say that there aren't, you know, as a leader, there's, there's things that you've got to think about, about getting that balance right between how much time people spend at home and how much time they spend people in the office. Because I was listening to a really interesting podcast the other day, and two of the, two of the big drawbacks of home working, one is learning, right? Because you learn constantly from people that are, are around you, be that in recruitment or whatever, you know, at desk, by the water cooler, um, over lunch, over a beer in the evening, you're, you're constantly learning from people, right? So... It has an impact on that. And then secondly, which I thought was a really interesting point, those serendipitous interactions that you have that create um, ideas and create innovation and then turn into something something real. You know, when you literally bump into somebody and you start talking about something, it's very difficult to create those things remotely. So I think, you know, leaders' challenges going forward about how do they, how do they balance that, that respect for but for wanting more time at home and more work-life balance. And don't get more time at home doesn't necessarily mean better time, right? It doesn't, if you're at home and you're working seven in the morning to late at night, that's not, that's not good. That's not a move forward, right? That's actually a move backwards. So, you know, it's a respect for actually that that needs to be balanced and also the respect for what, what can be achieved in an, in an office environment as well. So I find this point around sort of the, the work uh, home or working remotely, working in the office um, balance quite interesting because if you think to um, the, 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 the Gen Z, so the, the 21 year olds, 20 year olds that I know now are different in many ways to when I was and presumably you were that age, right? I couldn't wait to get out of the house and go yeah. to work um, because of what London at that point offered me was everything that I wanted, right? And it isn't for everybody, of course, but I think, is it a misconception, do you think, Ash, to think that, you know, these Gen Z's guys just want to work from home anyway? Like, they're, they're at home with their parents every day or they're in a flat with their mates every day. They want to get out anyway, surely. Well, I think it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because we, we love to put people in boxes and, you know, we put millennials in boxes for... The last 20 years and they've been the most decried generation i think think ever and it's nice for now millennials to be able to probably decry generation z and moan about their haircuts <laughs> or, their clothes or something but i think you know again this comes down to this comes down to leaders actually being able to connect 
connect with the people that work and really get a feel for what it is that they do and don't want. And it's going to be different for different people, right? It's going to be, there's going to be Gen Xers who probably want to work from home more because they've got bigger houses and they've got, you know, they might have a nice little shed out the back that they can disappear in with good broadband. And then you've got other people that are, you know, I've, I've, I've known people who've, who've been working four, four in a room, all in sales jobs, right? What using the same broadband connection? It's just, it's just soul destroying, isn't it? Um, so as leaders, that's going to be, that's going to be the challenge, right? It's going to be maintaining autonomy, you know, retaining trust, respect, but actually how does it, how does it work practically? Probably best not to over, probably best not to overthink it. I think you just got to try and figure these things out, right? And see what see what works and what doesn't. Is there um, do you think, Ash, in terms of, of of what a leader should be doing, by definition, when when I'm talking about this in in this particular inset, uh, in um, example, I'm talking about how somebody is um is running their business, right? If they're looking at hiring tomorrow. What kind of individual do you think, if there is such a thing, would be a, a, a bulletproof, foolproof hire that is going to see um, them in their business operating still in a few years' time and that business becoming more successful? Which I know you <laughs> look at you now, I've asked a really difficult well, I question. Think, I, think, I think if I had the answer to that, then um, I'd be a billionaire, right? Um, yeah, because if you think about, you know, if we're talking about probably the majority of the people who listen to this, they're in the recruitment industry, right? And they hire, they hire trainees, right? Especially at the moment, it's really difficult to get hold of, um, to get hold of experienced people. Yeah. So fundamentally, you're looking at hiring a person who's never done the job before, right? Um, and it's really difficult to sell whether somebody's going to be good at a job they've never done before, right? Um, so I don't think there were any answers. I think you've got to mitigate bad hires as much as you possibly can by having a really clear understanding of what it is that you want. But I read a really interesting thing a few years back about um, what two things make a good salesperson. And one of them actually is empathy, right? So the ability to actually connect with people and um, that connection thing keeps coming back, right? And um, being able to connect with people and for them to actually to, to like you. And the second thing is ego drive right? Actually, you sell because you want to sell, you have to sell, um, not because of the commission, but because it kind of, it almost completes you. So if you can have a high level of ego drive, but not be a monster, then you've got the, God knows how you, God knows how you actually test for that, right? Um, but I think you've, I th there isn't such a thing as a bulletproof. I think it's, I think it's really, I think it's really tough. And I think, I think recruitment businesses probably struggle with it more than any others, considering they're in the hiring game, right? Which is, of course, uh, one of the world's biggest ironies. <laughs> the, businesses, the businesses that I see that makes uh, the, the, that successfully hire experienced people is part of their. It's not. It's not a separate person that does it. It's not a talent scout. The mat. The, the management teams constantly reaching out to people in their um in their markets. That's what good leaders do. They build succession, um, and they do that by reaching out themselves. And, um, and I guess having that, you know, back to that word purpose and 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 being purposeful as an organisation as well as individually, that's going to help massively, isn't it? Because at least you know from the very start you've got that aligned, or at least you you're, you're closer to getting um, something that's got that stickability, if I can use that word, for somebody that's coming and going. Right, at least I know the values of this organisation and the way that they're looking to grow and evolve and develop are in line with my own. And almost anything else can be trained, isn't it? You can't train purpose. You can't train somebody to buy into something that maybe they're not. No, you can't. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of talk at the moment about purpose and about values. And rightly so. I think it's I think it's really 
it is really important. What a lot of people do is they sit, they sit around and they create a purpose or they, they talk about values that they, they aspire to be, not about what they actually are. And they don't live those authentically. They don't hire, fire, reward people by those, by those values. Their managers don't manage um, by those values. So, you know, I think people can spot that, that kind of inauthentic, inauthentic culture. So, you know, you've got to be really clear about your purpose and you've got to be really clear about your values um, and actually what they, what they mean. They're not just words, yeah? And how you, how you live those and how you reward those. So um, some businesses get it right and they're massively successful. Um, and you can see those, you, you know, you can see some of those on, on, on LinkedIn. You can see that they're just a really clear about their, about their purpose, right? About their values and others, it's still a bit of a, bit of a jumble. Um, but that's what people are looking for. They're looking for purposeful businesses with purposeful leaders. And I think the uh, the word word authentic comes through. Um, and I know that you speak a lot about that and uh, as being you know an authentic leader. And part of that comes down to I think you know what what people are grateful for. And I know that over the last eighteen months or so, we've all had a period of reflection as to you know what. Let's have a look around at me. What what am I grateful for? And this is about sort of, it's a humility to a certain extent, isn't it? Um, yeah. And, and I, I have to be, I'm, I'm wondering what you're grateful for. Well, do you know what? It comes down to the simple things, doesn't it? Grateful for your, grateful for your family, grateful for your friends. I'm grateful that I'm doing something that I, that, that I love. Um, and it probably, it doesn't come down to the money, does it? Although saying that it would have been nice to have like a big, a massive garden with a swimming pool in it for the kids for lockdown but um, yeah yeah that's not that's not that's not happened but yeah for me it's just it just refocuses you on the simple things and it's again it's about it's about those connections isn't it um and it's really only the people around you that get you get you through a time like this so it kind of heightens that importance and i'm just really grateful that you know i've got some good friends and um i've got some really good clients you know that have all my clients went on hold basically in, in March last year for a few months because obviously everybody was, wasn't sure what was happening. And, you know, they, um, they focused on what was right on things like cash flow on their people on, you know, trying to get their businesses, businesses through that tough time. So development sort of dropped off a little bit, but you know, those clients have been great. They've, they've, they've all come back, you know, over the last 12 months. And I believe, I genuinely believe that's because I've got a good connection with them. And, you know, there is, there is, there is trust there and there's, there's respect there. Um, and I think if you build those relationships and cultivate them, then they help you through the, through the tough times. Um, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, it's about that. It's about that kind of, the kind of simple stuff. You've used quite a lot of adjectives um, in the last sort of 25, half an hour, you know, 25 minutes, half an hour or so. I'm interested to know from you, Ash, and I'm sure that this is part of what you instill in your sort of leadership programs. What are three non-negotiable characteristics that people must have when working in your team? Well, they have to be me because the team is me. If you were to broaden your team <laughs> hypothetically for this if scenario. I, if, I was to, if I was to broaden my team or when I think back to, to the years when I was, was hiring, um, look, I, you can't knock you can't beat hard work, right? Yeah, I think I was brought up by my parents to respect money and to, to, to work hard and to work for your money. And don't confuse that with working long hours. I'm not a great fan of working 11, 12 hours a day, but I am a fan of actually when you're working, 
to be focused and put put you know put everything into it. Um, so you have to be a hard worker. It drives me, drives me nuts if you if 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 you weren't. So you'd have to have you you know. I have to be that would be have to be demonstrable because saying you're going to work really hard is very different to actually working really hard as you've probably seen over your career right yeah. um, you can say anything but, but doing 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 it's different and um, i want people that want to grow so i want people that want to develop right develop themselves and are open to, to to being developed they want to you know they want to finish the year knowing more and being better than they were at the beginning of the year i think that's really i think that's really important um and the last thing again is, is connection right can they connect with people can they build relationships? Yeah. Can they build a relationship with me? Can I build a relationship with them? Can they with clients? Can they with candidates? Can they with other people across the business? Right. Um, can they connect with people at that emotional level so that they can build, they can build trust and respect with the colleagues around. They can show that they, they can be, they can be vulnerable. So the ability to connect with people, I think is one of the greatest, the greatest skills that you can, that you can have. Um, and you know, with my kids, I'm not worried academically about how well they do. What worries me more is that actually they can hold a conversation with other people, that they're inquisitive, that they do ask questions, that um, you know, they've got the confidence to talk to talk to adults. You know, I encourage them to talk to my to their friends' parents because I think those are kind of like the useful skills that that you can that you can you can learn. And I think that's what sets that's what set people apart for me over the years is those really good communicators who can who can build connections with people. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with all of that. But there's one point I wanted to to come back on, which is really interesting because I've asked that question to a number of um, sort of leaders and and high performers over the last sort of twelve months or so from running this podcast, and no one has said about having having invest you know you invest your time in people who want to learn um but for me that's massively important so outside of on that point outside of you know learning about the on the job stuff which i think just kind of as a leader you that, that that happens upon it if you were to take a leader and say look you need to you know their, their thirst for learning what is it that they that you've seen do you think that makes a really great leader that somebody should be learning about more is there is there one or so what, what makes a, a great leader learn or no, what, 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 what are kind of things that outside of the day job, the practicalities and the, the you know, the semantics that a leader could be going out there and, and self-developing with? Well, I think, I think it's the behavioral stuff, right? It's not necessarily the, what, the, what you do it's the, it's the, how you do it. Right. So it's not just being focused on the results or cost. It's actually, um, you know, what you're, what you're building and what you're creating in terms of value along along the way and I'm a strong believer that you get out of people what you put in right and I think leaders leaders should understand that that if if somebody in their team is not performing right then it's it's on them as a leader right it's something that you've done or something that you've not done that has meant that person is not performing right and good leaders will look at themselves first right bad leaders will point the finger and go your shit or actually why are you not doing what I've asked you to do Right. So you've got to have that self-reflection. So that's about leaders learning. Think, well, actually, how can I how can I either motivate people more or understand what motivates them? How can I be clear about the goals, their values, their needs? Or do I understand actually what they need to do, change or do differently to be better at their to be better at their job? Right. 
and I don't think it's about one size fits all training courses. About I think it's about leaders understanding, you know, their direct reports. What do they need to do to be better at their job, right? And how can I, as a leader, how can I help them? What can they do to help themselves? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a massive point, and we've all learnt loads, haven't we? I say we all. Most people have now. If you ask them, I'm all out learnt. I can't absorb any more information from the than the 120 webinars that I attended in in 2020. Um, but that thirst for learning is continuous in a leadership role, isn't it? It must. Be. Yeah, it is. It is, and I think you know you can you can over you can over learn, right? And I think you need to be selective about about what it is that you're doing. And that's where working with a, working with a coach is, is really important, right? Because they can help you to understand, um, okay, so if this, is what you want to, if this is what you want to be, right? If this is your vision of what you want to be or do in six months, 12 months time, let's talk about, let's talk about what you need to change or what you need to do differently behaviorally in order to be able to achieve that, right? So you actually got some focus development rather than just trying to soak up everything. And that can then cause a lot of, a lot of diffusion. There is so much out there that half the half the art is actually cutting through. What is going to help me? What is going to help me be be better? What's going to help me to unlock my potential? Um, and I don't believe you can get all of that from 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 books or podcasts. I think sometimes it has to be that that one to one relationship with somebody that's invested in you as a coach can really help you to help you to achieve those goals. Yeah, I agree um, because it's the objective stuff isn't it it's somebody connecting to use your your word with you as an individual and then looking at it objectively and, and holistically and going from what you said what you told me you want to do what you want to achieve where you want your business to go how you want to live recreationally that life that you want to lead here's the recommendations and I, I you know I've read tons of books over the last 12 months uh, many of which are you know high performance stuff you and I spoke about the podcast that we mutually listen to as well um, and you take out snippets of that don't you but you also need somebody to whom you're accountable and I think many leaders um, don't have that individual in their lives they don't have somebody to whom they are accountable they are the person that everybody else is accountable to but who do they have who do they at the end of the day the week the month or the year say this is what I've done and this is how I've done it and, and quite often as a result you kind of drift um, and it's not saying that what you're doing is wrong, but could it have been better? Because you just drifted to a place quite often. Yeah, and I think, you know, actually the, the, the beauty of coaching is actually it's not, it's not teaching you anything anything new. I'm not there to teach you. What I'm there is to help challenge you and guide the conversation. So actually, on the understanding that you've already got all the answers, right? You just need to put them in the right the right place or you need to get a plan of action. Um, or you need to have the time to just reflect. Um, so, you know, it's not necessarily about learning new things. It's about learning about your about yourself and what potential that you've already got that won't be unlocked by reading um, reading a book, but it will be unlocked by somebody challenging and, and asking you the right kind of the right kind of questions. Here's a question for your reflection. Go on then. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I want to know the answer to this. Um, what would you tell the 15-year-old Ashley Rice? Oh, God. Yeah, I think, I think at 15, I wasn't taking things too seriously, right? And I think I'd probably tell myself to just continue not taking things too seriously. I think I, I, I really believe 
there's times in my life where work sort of consumed me and actually I've lost that I've lost that 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 perspective in terms of well actually what's more important my friends my family or work you know and I, I used to come home I remember on some, my, my wife used to hate me on a Friday after work because I was just so pumped right finishing the week or having a good week and just you know everything's so full on I just literally bounced off the walls it took until Saturday morning to calm to calm down and um probably maybe not a great person to to be around right because I was just taking things too seriously I was taking myself too seriously I was taking the job too seriously I was taking money too seriously I defined myself by my success at work and how much money I, I earned and then I realized that actually people don't really give a shit about how much money you earn and they don't really care what you do at work they just want a happy present friend or dad or, or husband right so those people don't take themselves too seriously yeah you go back to 15 year old self and say do you know what mate chill out i had hair down to here then right so i probably probably wouldn't keep the hair but i'd keep a lot of the attitudes alive definitely yeah i think i think we as, as adults as grown-ups take ourselves and everything far too seriously yeah, and I, I agree um, with that. And I think there's, you know, there's a lot of talk now about having, you know, fun in the workplace. And that's just not messing about the whole time, obviously. But, you know, where where we spend however many hours a day is that we do working, whether it's in the office or remotely, nonetheless, it's still work. And as, as, as much fun as you can make that, yeah. um, the better um, you'd think. So, yeah, well, thank you for that um, for that considered answer. By the way, for the listeners, that hair was down to well, it was at least shoulders, wasn't it? I reckon it was probably longer than that at some point. Did you yeah. put a ponytail? Yeah, I, I had a ponytail. Yeah, sure. I was I was a big uh, Nirvana, Dinosaur Junior, Mud Honey. I was into my grunge, so long hair, ripped jeans. Yeah, that's what it was all about. Yes, everybody, I will be asking for a photo. Um, <laughs> Luckily, no digital cameras back then, so yeah, yeah, no record. Hopefully, Ash, we're nearly uh, we're nearly at the at the end. Um, before I let you go, um, if there's um, there's one thing as a leader, um, it, to encourage a high performing environment that you would say every leader should do today, if they're not already doing it, what would that be? Get, get out and talk to your people, yeah? Understand what their goals are. What do they want to achieve, yeah? Why is that? Is there a strong why? How can you help them to achieve it? And understand what motivates them, their values and their needs. Well, you've got to understand your people. You've got to be able to connect with your people, right? Because if you don't, then, you know, you're not going to get the performance out of them that you, that you need. Because people have got to come into work because they want to, right? Not because they have to. They've got to want to do it. So it's got to be, you've got to align with their needs and values and they've got to have clear goals that you can, you know, you can help them to, to achieve, right? So connect, connect with the people. Terrific. Along that word, um, where can people listening to you today, this podcast, connect with you, Ash? You can connect with me on LinkedIn uh, or Ashley Rice. Uh, drop me an email at ashleyrice at arpd.co.uk. Um, I'm not on Twitter or Instagram or any of those, unfortunately, because I'm a Generation X and I'm a bit of a Luddite. So, um, yeah, yeah, more traditional methods. Or post me a letter. Yeah, that's going to say. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick your address at the bottom of the details yeah, on the podcast yeah, yeah. and I can send yeah. you something. Um, 
Ashley Rice has been absolutely brilliant as I knew it would be. Thank you so much for spending your time um, with, you, with me today. Um, wonderful, wonderful uh, episode. Really enjoyed that. Um, and we will catch up with you very soon. All right. Great to see you. Cheers, mate. You too. Bye-bye. Right. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Well, what an absolutely fantastic session. I, I hope the passion from Ashley ran through and you as a listener as much as it did uh, for me whilst I was speaking with him. Um, I can't get out of my head that word connection. Um, it's really interesting as I try to, to define it to him as empathy. And actually, it was quite clear there were two distinctly different things. Um, that word connection and connectivity and how leaders um, need to connect with those around them and, and ensure that everybody's pulling in the same direction is so, so important. And that whole respect and the trust and the authenticity can never really ring true sufficiently and, and, and in the way it needs to without that, without that connection. I loved his three non-negotiable characteristics, the hard work and focus, um, the willing to learn, and back again to that connectivity. Can they connect? Can the people that we work with in our team connect with us and subsequently with those around them? And of course, in the recruitment, their clients and their candidates. Really, really rings true that. And um, I hope it's a, a, a pause of reflection for you. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Squad, the leadership and high performance podcast that aims to help you change your game through inspirational stories and insights from some of the most fascinating people around. From business leaders to Olympic gold medalists, we're here to prove that by reimagining your mindset, anything is possible. This is Squad. Let's change the game.